This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. All right, everybody, get ready for the latest edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Alan West in about 30 minutes, but you next, one 408 7669 We have a lot going on today. We have more executive orders just flowing out of the White House, and it's all about climate change. Today is going to be racial equity. I guess what, this is a, that's code for reparations, really? Wednesday, the climate crisis. Is it every day the climate crisis with uh, Joe Biden? And fraud, then health care, then immigration. He's making a crisis there. And we'll discuss that throughout the show. And then, of course, take your calls. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. There are going to be uh, new faces that are going to be the spokespeople for our party and their own vision. Uh, President Trump, of course, will continue to have influence. Uh, but I think our party is going to return to some of our more fundamental principles, which is standing with our allies and pushing it back against people like Kim Jong-un and, and Vladimir Putin. Yeah. Uh, the future GOP becomes clear as impeachment looms. President Biden weighs in. And by the way, Donald Trump's office speaks out. Suddenly, Republicans are stepping up to defend him. I'll explain. Number two. All regions effective immediately are no longer in the stay-at-home order. And we'll move back into the blueprint, the blueprint we refer to as a blueprint for a safer economy. Really? So he's doing some outdoor dining all of a sudden? Does that have anything to do with the recall? COVID confusion on vaccines, school openings, and rescue packages. Now, suddenly, Democratic states are beginning to lift their lockdowns. Well, I'm glad about this. It just reminds me of pure politics and unnecessary suffering over the last year. Number one. I don't buy for one second the, uh, that the vitality of the American manufacturing is a thing of the past. That means we're going to use taxpayers' money to rebuild America. We'll buy American products and support American jobs. Great. So taxpayer money for American jobs. Buy American, maybe. Hurt America, yes. So far, Biden's executive orders, Bonanza, has sent a clear message. America doesn't matter, and party's agenda does. Oil, gas pipelines, the wall. People take a backseat to climate and correctness, and it's ridiculous. Now, do you remember we found out that Donald, one of the first things that Joe Biden wanted to do is not only get the $900 billion during the last weeks of the Trump administration, but he wants $1.9 trillion for a pandemic relief in every way, shape, and form for the schools, uh, for the economy, for small business, for vaccine distribution. But yet, how do you explain this? The Biden administration reportedly considering allocating COVID-19 funds for climate change programs. So he's taking money out of FEMA for climate change programs. That is not, to me, showing consistency of an emergency. What we are seeing with uh, Joe Biden is he is about clean energy. Do you know the XL pipeline is about clean energy, too? Do you know that by with the stroke of a pen, 11,000 people, minimum, maybe more union workers picked up, got their lunch pail, got in their pickup trucks? Yeah, I'll stereotype and left. Went home because they were out of a job. 
One of them, Neil Crabtree, was on with Sean Hannity's TV show last night, a welder, cut four. Where are these jobs? I mean, the, the last time I looked, we're about a 7% unemployment rate. Uh, they're trying to tell me to find another job when we can't even provide jobs for the people that are in this country. Uh, that would be the first question I'd ask the new transportation secretary. Where are these jobs? He also has stopped oil drilling and exploration on federal lands. That's going to cost jobs, too. They have 5,000 to 10,000 people working on the wall in Arizona, Texas, New Mexico, and beyond. California, they've got 450. They have enough money for 350. That has stopped. Please tell me why that works. Why are you creating a crisis on the border? Why are you letting people get in here when you won't let people come with passports from our allied nations who we have great relationship with because of the pandemic? Why would you do that to our border states? And I just hope Republicans understand that this is a legitimate opportunity, not a political opportunity, to say what you would do different. Please tell me any policy that blatantly got rid of jobs that Donald Trump put out. I didn't see any. If some happened, it happened. But he de- he de- he defeated regulations. He actually went out of his way to uh, lower taxes. He made it easier to over- to operate and have a business. John Hoffmeister, former president of Shell Oil, always speaking with reason and practicality when it comes to the oil and gas business which is a cornerstone of American security. Cut to. The Keystone cancellation makes no sense for the future good of the American people. It's a very short-sighted because we're going to continue to need infrastructure. Even if we don't use gasoline at some point, we still need petroleum for so many other applications, including jet fuel and, and including, you know, heavy freight. And, and, and just like I said before, the, uh, the the petrochemical industry. So oil's not going away. Anyone that thinks it is certainly doesn't understand how the economy works and how science works. We're in for a number of years of struggle while we also work on the next set of alternatives. It's just strange because Donald, Joe Biden sits there and says, I remember my dad looking at the ceiling wondering how I'd kind of tell my kids I lost my job and he had to leave us in Pennsylvania went to Delaware to make a living. He said, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to send for you. Well, what about all those other people going home saying, I got cut from a job that has zero impact on the environment, zero Obama studies, and is uh, we are counting on Canada, not Saudi Arabia, to provide the pipeline. And it's American steel. I know the world is not fair, but you don't have to go out of your way to make it unfair. COVID-19 pandemic, a break that's come the president's way. 31% cases down in two weeks. Deaths down 4%. The vaccines are picking up. We're already averaging about a million per day. That was his goal. It was way too low. He realized that yesterday. Actually said it. You know, we were have uh, for, for a president that evidently had no vaccine plan, President Trump had a lot of vaccines flowing out there. Just so you know, this new president wants to federalize everything. So Governor Hogan and Governor Cuomo and all the critics of the president, uh, uh, well, all of them can line up. Governor Newsom, who has not been bad to Trump as of late, just know you're losing control of this. They're going to decide. They're going to set the regulations and tell you what to do. So... He admitted yesterday that one million is not going to get anything done for a year, and we're already at a million now, and you can't say you were left with nothing. Cut 11. 
I promised that we would get at least a, uh, a hundred million vaccinations. That's not people, because sometimes you need more than one shot, the vaccination. But a hundred thousand, a hundred million shots in people's arms of the vaccine. I think with the grace of God and the goodwill of the neighbor and the crick not rising, as the old saying goes, I think we may be able to get that to 150, uh, 1.5 million a day rather than 1 million a day. Oh, we're going to get much faster than that. Everyone's going to get better at it. No doubt about it. These mayors and understand it. There's going to be uh, stadiums that are being converted as we speak. What we need is more vaccines. I hope we can pick up production. I want to find out what's happening with Pfizer and Moderna. What's slowing everything up? Don't they want to make any money? I know there's tremendous demand, but I love the idea, too, that people are beginning to line up outside uh, doctor's facilities and and shot locations because when you evidently puncture a vial, you only have a certain amount of time, and if you don't have enough people, it goes to waste. So if you're standing outside what they were doing in Israel, they'll say, come on in. I don't care if you're 21 and healthy or 71 and not on a list. So that, to me, is encouraging. I like that. So uh, elsewhere, what are we also talking about? I talked about Barstool on the streets of New York last week. They have a fund for small business. Open up this state. Open up this city. Give people a shot at being successful responsibly with the plexiglass, with the separation, uh, with all with the new ventilation system. But instead, in places like California and New York City, they just told everyone, eat outside or don't eat at all in California's place. Why? Too dangerous. Suddenly, not so dangerous when you have a Democratic president, when you're trying to be recalled in California, when 1.5 million people sign up and say you suck as a governor. Here is Gavin Newsom. Suddenly, realizes, I think I should let people go out. Cut 14. All regions effective immediately are no longer in the stay-at-home order and will move back into the blueprint, a blueprint many of you are familiar with, the blueprint we refer to as a blueprint for a safer economy. Really? Can you expand on that? Cut 15. We're seeing a flattening of the curve. Everything that should be up is up. Everything that should be down is down. Case rates, positivity rates, hospitalizations, ICUs, testing starting to go back up, as well as vaccination rates in this state. But we are not out of the woods. Yeah, pick it up. People understand. You're going to start seeing people eat outside. You can do that in California. I looked at the weather. It's like 70 degrees today. You can do that in Florida. You can eat indoors, too. And if you ever walk through New York, and I hope you don't have to, what you see is people eating outdoors and set up their own mini houses. They're like sheds. You walk in, the door closes, the ceiling's low, the ventilation's there, but there's no way it's safer than going inside. In the end, they're going to say what idiots these leaders were consulting or not consulting with scientists, what they have set up in order to comply and try to make a living makes it puts us even more in danger. And we also know if there's some something like Super Bowl Sunday is happening and you have a 10 o'clock curfew and and you cannot get the whole game in. So if you're kicking people out at nine o'clock for a game that starts at six o'clock, you're not going to do it. So you're not going to have the Super Bowl party. So you go home where, according to New York stats, 73% of all spread starts in someone's home in social gatherings. 1% happens in restaurants and bars. And where are we doing? Telling people to leave the restaurant and bars and go home. Try to make sense of that. The other thing is teachers, and I love this, are being vaccinated with a priority in almost every state. And in most states, a lot of states, they're not opening up. In Virginia, they're just not opening up. In the city of Chicago, most of Illinois, they're not open up, K through 8. Unions are pushing back. The urgency is coming from a Democratic president, and still they're not opening up. 
That is not acceptable. That should not be allowed. And immediately stop giving them shots if they will not comply with the uh, open up your school's order. There's risk in everything in life, but a third grader needs a teacher, needs to be in school. And if they need special care, an IP, they can't get it at home. They're not going to get it from a laptop. It is a terrible thing. In Fairfax County, they are pushing, Washington Post is pushing to open up schools or stop vaccinating. Here's a cut. Having jumped to the front of the vaccine line, the superintendent of the school board and the teachers union are delaying opening schools. That raises the question of why have the priority placed in to begin with? There's simply no common sense explanation for vaccinating teachers ahead of other high risk groups if they refuse to go full time. If you're a teacher, call me. 1-866-408-7669. The ones that care, and I know them, they, it's so much harder to teach at home, go back to school, get the vaccine, do everything that can happen. But if you're going to accept the vaccine, it should be implied that you're going to go back to work. I'm going to come back and take some calls. I've got to see what you think about your state. Also, we have a lot more to discuss about what's going to happening to us uh, as a country. And what's happening on our border is sinful. We'll discuss that. The impeachment that's not going to go anywhere, that I think it will only fortify, actually will bond Republicans and fortify the president. He has a a statement coming out of uh, his new office in Mar-a-Lago where he's beginning to staff up and be a factor. Uh, This is Brian Kilmeade Show. As you know, as you just heard, it's a busy, busy day. You won't pull or tear anything listening. Brian does all the heavy lifting. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Say what you will say about Donald Trump or Joe Biden, depending on which party you're from or who you support. But the one thing about Donald Trump's policy, and of course I'm a big Trump guy, was he put America first. Everything that Biden has done so far in his executive orders is putting America last. 
He's the America last, whether it's opening up the borders, whether it's what he's doing to our public schools, uh, and what he's doing with, uh, with oil and gas, because we were becoming very energy independent from the rest of the world. He's going to make us dependent mm -hmm. on the Middle East once again. It, it just makes no sense. So if he did not have a crisis, I'd say, well, it's agenda was he ran on. One, number one, he barely campaigned. Number two, he talked about green, uh, you know, having a green focus. But why would you do this, have this immigration issue with the pandemic, people coming across the caravan streaming through? Why would you why would you stop the wall? I talked to a sheriff this morning. I had no idea who he voted for, but they have 23 miles of wall built. They got enough for 75 miles. As he says, it's already helped a lot. They stopped yesterday. Yesterday, he had to say goodbye to those workers who were doing such great work. And it's not just a wall. It's the roads. It's the technology that goes on top. He said, can people get through it? If they really were focused on it, they could. But by the time they get there and try to scale it, we're, we're on top of them. And it's just another deterrent for people to say it's not worth it. And I have no idea why he's doing that, why he would stop the XL pipeline, why he would stop the wall, why would he would stop drilling on private lands. There's no push for that right away. You could say over the next 18 months, we're going to have a final way where it's going to be drilling is going to be curtailed in that area because maybe you have goals for 2030. And all this stuff is not going to amount to anything for the country, certainly not the world environment, which I find unbelievably disturbing. Congressman Kevin McCarthy, obviously the focus is impeachment yesterday. But he was asked about what he's been doing so far, Joe Biden, cut, cut eight. What the American people really want to have happen. They want to start focusing on putting people back to work, getting kids back in school, and making sure anyone who wants a vaccine gets it. But now we've got President Biden, who's gone back on every promise he made, just even a week ago about unity. There's no unity coming out of that. He's killing union jobs. He's empowering our adversaries. China is, it's now a policy of no longer America first, it's China first. Russia is winning because he's fighting the, the institution of America about our energy independence. Tomorrow I will be sending him a letter because he just went back and lied to us one more time. He's killing energy independence in America, making Russia yeah. and Middle East stronger. Yeah, you should understand that. There are ramifications to everything. Daryl, listen on KNKI in Arizona. Daryl. Hello. Daryl, we got to get these kids back in school is what your focus is, right? Yes, we've been in school since August. Uh, kids love it. Parents are loving it. Uh, parents have their choice to stay home if they want. Uh, kids need to be back in school. I hear you. Here's, here's Mayor Lori Lightfoot when asked about the Chicago uh, unions saying we're not going to school, even though they fixed the ventilation system and they they've already they've already uh, they've already retroed the school. Cut thirty. Excuse me. Cut twenty one. Any chance there is a way to do remote instruction to in class CPS students? Well, I, I don't think that works, and that's certainly not the optimum situation. Look, the reality is that in the course of this pandemic, there have never been any easy choices. There just haven't been. I have every confidence whatsoever that we will get something done that obviously um, protects their members, but, but also gives families the options, if it's right for them, to be able to send their children back to in-person learning. Because they're going to the private schools, they're going to the Catholic schools for the most part. Uh, let's go to Maggie. Listen on the Fox News Radio app. Hey, Maggie. Hey, Maggie, you're on. You're in Pennsylvania. Yes. How are you today? Good. You're about schools too, right? 
I am about schools. Um, I am technically a parent, uh, but I am also doing homeschool for my sister's kids um, outside, uh, from my home. Uh, I have college kids. I have high school kids. <laughs> I have elementary school kids. I have middle school kids. Um, all learning from my home. How bad is that? It's a disaster um, for the children. For the children. It is harming them in ways yep. that I can't even describe. I don't think you have to. I see it. You know, I have one who's a senior in high school now, and then I know so many other parents in grade school, grammar school, and teachers as well. It's a lose-lose situation. you got to suck it up and get them back in the classroom the best possible way. If there's an underlying condition, I get it. But that's not the case in most cases. I love the teachers getting the shot. They go back to class. Alan West, next. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. When President Trump was imposing travel restrictions in March, specifically on China, then candidate Biden called it xenophobic and fear-mongering. So now President Biden is putting travel restrictions on people coming in from other countries. What word do we use to describe that? Well, I don't think that's quite a fair articulation. Uh, the president has been clear that he felt the Muslim ban was xenophobic. He overturned the Muslim ban. Uh, he also, though, has uh, supported, um, and he himself, even before, or we did, I should say, even before he was inaugurated, steps, uh, travel restrictions in order to keep the American people safe. Uh, by the way, it wasn't a Muslim ban. It was uh, nations that were uh, where the terrorist activity was so great we did not know and could not trust that they were coming over here without thorough background checks, didn't have an infrastructure to take care of it. Hence, we don't want ISIS coming. Gotcha. Remember those people that opened up and started killing people over in San Bernardino a few years ago? They got here. No one checked their Facebook page where they had all their terrorist rants uh, and rages. But it was a good question. Bringing, uh, let's bring in Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, Chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, Senior Fellow at the Media Research Center. Colonel, welcome back. It's good to be with you, Brian. And I completely agree with you that those uh, it was not a Muslim ban. It was about those uh, countries that were on the terrorist watch list. And you brought up what happened out of San Bernardino. That was a failure of our system because Saeed Farouk and his uh, wife, Tashfeen uh, Malik, uh, she skirted through the system. And if they had done all the proper checks, uh, she would not have been able to enter this country coming in from, I believe, uh, Pakistan or through Saudi Arabia. And uh, ended up uh, killing, you know, countless amounts of Americans there in San Bernardino. So it's all about protecting American uh, people, but yet you see the left once again manipulating language, changing things from what they're supposed to be, and, of course, just uh, pounding it to death uh, out there in the mainstream media. So we've got to make sure that we're protecting Americans and we're not allowing people to come in here from those countries that are on that terrorist watch list. Right. So uh, we're seeing this now. Uh, we're also seeing what's happening at the border, and uh, the the pace is picking up on the people coming here illegally. The wall is stopping. Why, if you are going to ban allied nations and almost all travel into our country, especially without taking a test, would we let a bunch of refugees into our country, many of which are here with the intent of doing us harm? How does that make sense for any leader? 
It does not make sense, and the hypocrisy would be laughable if it weren't so serious. This shows a delusion, really, when when you are saying that, okay, we cannot allow people to come in from these countries because of a COVID testing, but yet we're going to allow people to illegally come into the country without any type of COVID testing. Furthermore, what is very disconcerting for us here in Texas is now this uh, demand of, of 100 days of no deportations, and actually they're telling ICE to release uh, all of these illegals yes. that they have in, in uh, detainment right now. And so what do you think is going to happen? They're not going to show up. They're going to disperse wherever. And on top of that, guess what uh, Mr. Biden is also pushing for? He's pushing for representation as we uh, wrap up the census and go into redistricting, not to be based on American citizenship, but just to be based on the numbers. So we're going to release all of these illegals, uh, and I'm quite sure they're going to be counted as far as population, which means that uh, it's going to skew the redistricting. So this is all part of a grand scheme and a grand master plan. I want to talk about the future of the party. Of course, Texas, uh, they got a big scare the last election. They thought they might be losing Texas. You said, don't worry about it, but you are worried about the future. One thing is pretty clear. If the Republicans don't give a real shot at the Hispanic community, not to pander, but to listen to what they need, let them know what they have in common, not only are they going to lose Texas, they're going to lose the country. Nikki Haley weighed in on the future of the country uh, and the party, the Republican Party, with Donald Trump. Cut 39. Everyone trying to determine where the party goes. We should not want to go back to the Republican Party before Trump. We gained a lot of people that were unheard, unseen, many of whom, like I grew up in South Carolina, had just been misunderstood. We want to keep them in the party. But the reality is we lost a lot of women and we lost a lot of college educated. We want to bring them in and we want to expand the tent. But the way we expand the tent is by going back to what has always made us the stronger party. Okay. Uh, Your feeling on that? Well, I thoroughly agree with that, Ambassador Haley. If you understand that Donald Trump brought in more uh, minority electoral support to the Republican Party in the last than we've we ever seen in the last 60 years. And the great story and the, the model that people are looking at here in Texas is how we were able to go down into the Rio Grande Valley. And there were counties down there, such as Zapata County, that had never been Republican in like 100 years. And we were able to connect with people about their principles and their values. And the message of President Trump was about economic empowerment and not economic enslavement. And when you see the lowest amounts of unemployment in the black and Hispanic communities, when you start to talk to them about their Judeo-Christian faith heritage, their their small business entrepreneurship desires, their, their desires not to have open borders, safety and security, and then, of course, strong families, you connect with people. And that's why uh, our next quarterly Republican Party of Texas executive meeting will be in Laredo, uh, because we want to let people know that this was not just about an election cycle. This was about a common and continuous engagement and talking about the policies that include people and not just the policies that talk down and at people to make them victims. So uh, a different take. Uh, Congressman Adam Kinzinger, a veteran, as you know, I really like him. He is uh, on certain policies. He was against Trump. In the end, he voted to impeach him. Cut 41. Every day that goes by, there are less and less people that would consider themselves Trump Republicans, you know, as the emotion wears off. So I think in six months, it's not going to be necessarily the party of, of Donald Trump. But when I was a kid, you know, and I yeah. loved the ideas of the Republican Party, 
I feel like we've lost a lot of that now. Uh, and that's why I'm going to fight like like hell to bring it back to the party that I believe in. We stay an angry, divisive party. It'll be hard to consider the Republican Party home, but my values won't have changed. Your reaction? I think he's missing the point. I don't know if he's been inside the bubble uh, for too long, but I will tell you that he is basically discounting the fact that President Donald Trump brought in 12 million new voters from 2016 to 2020, and he is dismissing 73 to almost 75 million people that supported the president and supported those policies that put America first. And uh, if you think that this is just going to be something that goes away in six months, I can tell you that that's not happening. You look at the response of the Wyoming GOP to what Liz Cheney did in voting for that impeachment. You look at the response that you are hearing about, uh, you know, certain Republicans talk about supporting a second impeachment of President Trump. This is not going to go away. And there is a real uh, energy out there to make sure that we continue on this pathway. And, you know, Ambassador Haley just said, we can't go back to the Republican Party prior of, of President Trump. So forget the personality, forget the, the persona, forget the tweets that you didn't like. And you think about the policies and where President Trump took this country. That's not debatable. And that's what we should uh, continue to press on with. So in, uh, during the raid on January 6, 139, 138 officers were assaulted on that raid on the Capitol. Anyone who knows the president knows that he has nothing but respect for law enforcement to the point where he was being criticized uh, for everything except maybe the George Floyd killing. Of uh, He's taking law enforcement's side. So I don't know why anyone would ever raid the Capitol in Donald Trump's name and hit a cop, let alone kill a cop. But having said that, he finds himself impeached by the House, and now it's going to the Senate next week. Uh, so we do not know how it's going to vote. But even Joe Biden says yesterday there's not votes to acquit. I believe that Donald Trump's going to end up stronger because of this. And the Republicans are looking at this and saying, I think we're going to end up rallying around the fact that this is a huge overreach for a Democratic Party that cannot get over Donald Trump. Here's what Senator John Kennedy said. Cut 32. Speaker Pelosi, who, who hates President Trump with the energy of a thousand sons, afforded him no due process in the House. None. Zero. Zilts. Nada. He didn't have a chance to defend himself. I don't know how you can unring that bell. Due process matters in America. We're being asked to proceed when we don't even know if this is constitutional. And you couple that with the fact that this is a very tender moment for America. Uh, I just don't see how this is in the common good of our country. Colonel, look, I know you don't want you don't think he should be impeached. I don't think he should be impeached. But what kind of damage is this whole thing going to do for the next for the two weeks after this starts? It's going to be uh, an incredible, irreparable damage, I think, definitely for the Democrat Party. Think about this, Brian. Uh, Joe Biden has not been in office uh, a full week, but yet what have we seen? With the stroke of a pen, I believe about 54 to 70,000 Americans lost, lost jobs. 
And now the most important thing, you saw this ceremonial march over to the Senate. Uh, they want to impeach a former president, which is completely unconstitutional. Impeachment is about removing a president. If the president is not the president, what were you impeaching him for? Uh, and then on top of that, this whole speech last week about unity, I did not hear any talk about big tech censorship. I did not hear any talk or have not heard anything from Joe Biden about the deprogramming of people or the reeducation of people or look at some of the vicious attacks against Franklin Graham, Mike Lindell, all of these people uh, trying to kick Fox News off of uh, cable networks or some of the other conservative outlets. So what you see happening in these first two to three weeks of the Biden administration is a lurch toward the left that really is very disconcerting. And I believe that without a doubt, the Democrats are setting themselves up for a huge electoral failure. And right now, the most important thing is states going to have to be strong and stand against these uh, onerous executive orders and some of the policies are going to be coming down the road. And Colonel, I know you, you're running the Texas GOP, you got your hands full. You're also a board member of the NRA. Uh, the lawsuits mm-hmm. moving forward in New York, now they're a nonprofit moving to Texas. They are, they are an important organization in this country, certainly important to the Republican Party. Uh, where are they at right now? They're reconstruction into a nonprofit, but What could you tell us about the state of the game there? Well, the problem with the NRA was that, you know, historically it was founded in 1871 out of New York, and it has remained incorporated in New York. It probably should have moved out of New York quite some time ago. But when the NRA decided as a not-for-profit 501c3 to get involved with uh, concealed carry insurance, they uh, came up with a program called Carry Guard. Now you become a for-profit. And, of course, who is the uh, commission that, uh, you know, the regulation that governs you is from New York. And so your T's have to be crossed and your I's have to be dotted, and they weren't. And that's why Letitia James and and the state of New York is going after the National Rifle Association. We need a strong NRA when you understand the gun control uh, legislation has come down the pike. Look at what Sheila Jackson Lee is proposing. I mean, $200 gun tax uh, for weapons that you already have, uh, you know, going after magazines, taxing, you know, ammunition, things of this nature, uh, the red flag laws, which are really unconstitutional, violation of the Second and Fourth Amendment rights of individuals. So we need to have that strong advocacy group uh, called the National Rifle Association. We welcome them coming here to Texas, I think it would be a great move and a good home for them, but they got to clear out the business uh, of what's going on up there in New York, first and foremost. All right. Thanks, uh, Colonel Allen West. Appreciate it. Chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, Senior Fellow at the Media Research Center. Thanks, Colonel. All the best, brother. Take care. All right. 1-866-408-7669. When we come back, I'll open up the phones. I have a lot to discuss. We just discussed three. There, there, could, be a, there could be three big threes. Back in a moment. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This morning, I listened to your interview on The Daily, which is the New York Times Daily podcast. It was with their science and health reporter. And in of the 28 minutes that uh, I listened to, I think it lasted 28 and 30 seconds, 24 of those minutes were spent asking you, uh, our infectious disease expert, 
about your relationship with President Trump. And you're very willing to answer a lot of those questions, and I know that those questions are irresistible for reporters to ask. But is there a law of diminishing returns to continue to answer questions about that relationship if the crisis is as acute as you say? I agree with you, Dana. And I really, I mean, after that interview, I said to myself, we really got to look forward and, 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 and ahead and just put that behind us. And I totally agree with you. So looking forward, I'm really not enthusiastic at all about re-examining what happened back then rather than looking forward to what we need to do now. Yeah, about time. Anthony Fauci after a New York Times interview, a Rachel Maddow interview. We have this clip for, hey, uh, Eric, can we play that clip from Rachel Maddow? So he not only was he answering questions, he was actually bringing it up about his relationship with Trump that, well, I got along with him, but he do this, this and this. He was getting parallel uh, news from other people and information and parallel data from other people. So if you want to know where uh, Anthony Fauci stood, I would think that you maybe have to do look into his friends from high school and find out if he's really a Republican, if that interests you. But look no further than this comment to know where he stands politically. I've been wanting to come on your show for months and months. You've been asking me to come on your show for months and months, and it's just gotten blocked. That's, I mean, let's, let's call it what it is. It just got blocked because they didn't like the way you handle things, and they didn't want me on there. I mean, it was so clear when we sent it down. Why would you want to go on Rachel Maddow's show? Well, because I like her, and she's really good. It doesn't make any difference. Don't do it. I don't think you're going to see that now. I think you're going to see a lot of transparency. Listen, Anthony Fauci on Rachel Maddow's show, Rachel Maddow is, is very talented, but she is a left to the left to the left. I mean, she has no interest in doing anything except for answering questions about what how incompetent Donald Trump is. That's why he wanted to keep her off there and he'd get a fair shot on Fox. But he was never enthusiastic. I watched him on Fox and Friends. He was kind of hostile. I'm thinking to myself, what's going on here? Maybe he had a bad day. He goes on the next hour on CNN. He's having the time of his life. He's People are making fun of him. He's talking about Brad Pitt played him, and he's tweeting out how great that is. Tara, listen on WOKV in Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, Tara. Hi, Brian. Thank you for taking a call. Um, I want to say something real quick. I know you don't have much time, but. I just think a lot of people got this wrong. Um, they think Trump, you know, I don't know, what, hypnotized us or something, 78 million people, and he got us to think in the way they think, you know, we're thinking now. No, he represented us. I am a African-American woman, 54 years old, been voting Republican since I was 18. I've watched. I know. I see. I could think for myself. He gave us a voice. He gave us a voice. It was saying exactly what we were thinking, including the election outcome. I sat there that night and watched them all through the night. And I said right then, look, they're pulling something off here. This ain't right. This has never really happened like this before. So he gave us a voice. I don't think, and we're not going away. That's the point. We're not going away. We're not going to stop thinking what well, we think already just because Trump is gone. And, and Tara, I appreciate the call. And I'm just going to add to that. The president said yesterday his focus is going to be former president, his focus is going to be getting the House back and and then working towards uh, making sure the Senate uh, maybe goes back because you have Rob Portman's going to make it a little bit more difficult. And it's going to be hard, but they got to find a way in the in two years to get the Senate and House back and and stop this, uh, stop these plethora of executive orders and let Joe Biden know if he wants anything done, he better stop this. 
because his his ta- this whole green energy push is not for certainly not helping low income communities, and it's not even helping the climate. We're already doing stuff responsibly. We're the leader in the world in energy. Why would you put a second, third, and be responsible? Uh, be asking Russia and Saudi Arabia for help or any of the OPEC nations. So uh, when it comes to the election, I didn't see the election. The problem is they counted the mail-in ballots second. That's why it was a quick surge. But Florida got it right. Ohio got it right. North Carolina got it right. Uh, But Arizona and Georgia, they might have had some problems. But I don't think massive fraud. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming up this hour, Senator Rick Scott of Florida. He's also running the Republican uh, mission to get back the Senate. And he's probably not happy about Senator Rob Portman calling it a Senate career, calling it quits in two years uh, when we have the midterm elections. And then Varney and Company will do a simulcast in between, I promise. And plus, you could watch us on Fox Nation all the time. Uh, in between, I promise, uh, you'll be... Uh, we'll be taking your calls, one 408 7669 So, from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world, let's get started with the big three. Now, with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. There are going to be uh, new faces that are going to be the spokespeople for our party and their own vision. Uh, President Trump, of course, will continue to have influence. Uh, but I think our party is going to return to some of our more fundamental principles, which is standing with our allies and pushing it back against people like Kim Jong-un and, and Vladimir Putin. Right. Uh, the future of the GOP becomes clear as impeachment looms. We, uh, President Trump issues a statement. Basically, I'm going to do everything I can to get the House back. For the Republican Party, there will be no third party. As President Biden weighs in on on the impeachment process and Republicans begin to step up. Number two. All regions effective immediately are no longer in the stay-at-home order and will move back into the blueprint, the blueprint we refer to as a blueprint for a safer economy. Wow, Gavin Newsom, COVID confusion on vaccines, school openings, they get vaccinated. Teachers still want to, don't want to go back to school in many cities. And the rescue package, now suddenly Democrat states are beginning to lift the lockdowns. Can you say pure politics? That's exactly what I concluded. Number one. I don't buy for one second the uh, that the vitality of the American manufacturing is a thing of the past. That means we're going to use taxpayers' money to rebuild America. We'll buy American products and support American jobs. God, that is 100% true. Buy American, maybe. Hurt America, yes. So far, Biden's executive order, Bonanza, has sent a clear message. American jobs don't matter, and the party's agenda does. Oil, gas, the pipeline, the wall... People take a backseat to climate and correctness, and it is sickening. I mean, who thinks that it's a priority to talk about transgenders in the military? Why is that a priority? It's crazy. That's what the president's talking about. Well, who thinks it's a priority? Stop oil and gas drilling on public, on federal land. Why? Let's just take it easy. The one thing you have to worry about, the energy sector took a beating because people stopped using 
transportation, when I using cruise ships, not flying as much, not driving as much, because the world economy is on its knees. Is now the time to stop drilling, going out of your way to do that, to appease whom? And then when you talk about uh, what is happening with, um, with this pipeline, Pipeline that Canada wants that we were uh, green-lighted that was beginning to be built that five uh, environmental studies showed that had no impact, negative impact on the environment. We're stopping it anyway. And in terms of real jobs, if you don't want a name, I'll give you a name. It is Neil Crabtree. He's a union person. He's not a zillionaire. He just wants an opportunity to work. And he got stopped from working on the XL pipeline for pure politics. Cut four. Where are these jobs? I mean, the the last time I looked, we're about a 7% unemployment rate. Uh, they're trying to tell me to find another job when we can't even provide jobs for the people that are in this country. Uh, that would be the first question I'd ask the new transportation secretary. Where are these jobs? Because Pete Buttigieg said in his confirmation hearing, oh, we'll get, these, get them other good union jobs. Can you explain what does he have to move? Because right now he's doing a pipeline work. He knew what he was doing up until the inauguration. And then suddenly he's out of a job. Cut five. Right now, to me, this is, this is not a union, non-union issue. It's, uh, we can fight that battle another day. This is an American job issue. I don't care if, you, uh, if you're union or non-union. Uh, this administration is uh, attacking our industry altogether. So uh, I'm on here tonight because it doesn't matter if you're union or non-union. This new administration, it's it's after the industry as a whole, not just, it doesn't matter if you're union or non-union tonight. I'm I'm looking at all Americans. I'm I'm, I'm trying to stand up for American workers. Uh, This is a fight that we need to be in together. Uh, But let uh, me tell you, We can fight that battle another day. This new administration is against all uh, jobs right now. So I heard a union president come on and say, I couldn't be more disappointed. They, Joe Biden told him it's going to be a case-by-case basis. So you just got rid of the XL pipeline, that case. But you didn't even ask him any input. And you saw the environmental impact. What about doing your own impact study and see what happens? Just like in New York, Governor Cuomo did an impact study on what fracking would do to New York. What it would do is provide an economic boom. And if you don't know New York, just picture the upstate New York like Iowa. It is really wide open. It's rural, full of a lot of small towns. Don't think New York City. And they heard about fracking. And there's a lot of shale oil under in our land in New York. So they did a bunch of economic studies. Cuomo saw that it would have no impact, and he still didn't build it. That's what drives people crazy. Give them an opportunity to open up the, the restaurants and the, and the hubs in these cities while people come in and work hard for a living, not get a handout for a living. So when it, on the coronavirus specifically, we look at the lockdowns and the unnecessary damage these lockdowns are doing, especially in California where they locked everything down. The number's still going up. I think they're second in deaths to New York. When New York's at 41,000. So things start going down. And Gavin Newsom realizes, you know what else is going down? His approval rating. And there's a recall effort with 1.5 million signatures on it. And here's what he decides to do. Tell me if you see a coincidence. Cut 14. All regions effective immediately are no longer in the stay-at-home order. And we'll move back into the blueprint. A blueprint many of you are familiar with. The blueprint we refer to as a blueprint for a safer economy. Practically, what does that mean? Cut 15. 
We're seeing a flattening of the curve. Everything that should be up is up. Everything that should be down is down. Case rates, positivity rates, hospitalizations, ICUs, testing starting to go back up, as well as vaccination rates in this state. But we are not out of the woods. Yeah, when no one's out of the woods. They're not out in the woods in the Netherlands where there's riots every day because of the lockdown. In the U.K., they're going to stay shut down till the summer. That's not us. Right. We came up with the vaccine. We're using the vaccine. Millions of people have had it. Millions of people have recovered from it. The hospitalizations are the hospitalizations. Nobody looks forward to that. This is not a hoax. It is real. But also is unnecessary pain is what I've been talking about on this show from day one. Unnecessarily hurting people. 11 million people did not pay are late on their rent. That means they didn't pay this month had it been consistently late, let alone the businesses that don't exist or just haven't paid leases. Landlords are not bad people either. They take out loans to buy strip malls and rent to you. Now we're told that they don't have to collect rent. They can't kick you out. But who's taking care of them? So what happened is when it came to the vaccine, they said the first priority really has to be hospital workers. Great. Next priority should be seniors. Absolutely. But right after that, and I'm heartened to feel it, most states agree and most are doing it, teachers. Because if you can get kids back in school, a sense of normalcy for people that are not in the line of fire when it comes to this virus. But they should have asked people ahead of time, if I vaccinate you, will you go back? Because a lot of these unions are saying, still not ready. They fixed the ventilation systems. They fixed the schools. They made them COVID-friendly and still doesn't work. And that's what's happening in all the state of Virginia, Alexandria, as the Washington Post writes today. And that's what's happening in Chicago when it comes to these schools. These unions are saying, I'm not doing it. Dr. Siegel heard about this. He went on Tucker last night and talked about it. Cut 22. The Chicago Teachers Union is the boy who cried wolf. They struck in 2012 for seven days. In 2019, they struck for 15 days and it inconvenienced drastically 300,000 kids in the school district. So it's hard to believe them now with their posturing. They're claiming, well, there may not be enough uh, precautions in place. But Chicago Public Schools reports spending $100 million on their schools to make them safe, to, for ventilation, for distancing, for masking, for proper testing. Uh, a district down the road, LaGrange, is already doing saliva testing on all of their students. There's no reason whatsoever these schools can't be open, especially, you know, the collateral damage here. Nobody's saying that I have heard that they can love to open up their schools, but they have not made the adjustments. Believe me, I know the way parents are. I know the way cities and counties are, the way people want to help other people. They'd be bake sales. People would be selling uh, used equipment, anything to get these schools open and up to par because kids are regressing. This is the one opportunity from K through 8 especially, and I believe 9 through 12 too from sports and academics. They're not going to get these years back. When we come back, Senator Rick Scott, on why Florida is doing it and others aren't, then we'll be able to take some calls, and I'll segue over to Varney and Company, and we'll slide in some after that. But over in, uh, I'm anxious to get to this, too. Some are saying on the upper northwest that the push to get schools open and in-person instruction is all about white privilege. I thought I heard it all until I heard that. i got to share that with you. But first, Rick Scott, when we return. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. 
He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Honestly, it's gotten harder and harder to break through the partisan gridlock and make progress on substantive policy issues. And that has contributed to my decision. Senator Rob Portman calling it, saying that in two years he's done. This will be his last term, and he was a very popular, a moderate senator from Ohio in a state that's always uh, tough for Republicans and Democrats to win for that matter. It makes things harder for Rick Scott. His mission is to get the, get the Senate back in Republican hands. Senator, were you surprised to hear that message yesterday from, Ron, uh, from Rob Portman? Well, first off, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really wish Rob wouldn't be um, stopping in two years. He's done. He's been a great senator. But I, I tell you what, I've been up here two years. This place is dysfunctional. These people up here, it's, it's. Uh, there's unbelievable amounts of hate up here. It's not about getting things done for people back home. It's about how do you make political points. Uh, people are more interested in their their soundbite on television than trying to do something. Uh, that's good for the citizens, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stay very focused on how I help Floridians. I'm gonna stay very focused on how we win back a majority uh, Republicans in the U.S. Senate. And you know the things that uh, Joe Biden is doing right now. I mean, open borders. Talking about Ray having the biggest tax increase in the history of the country. Um, the people he's he's bringing in. I mean, this is. I mean, they're gonna help us a lot in 22. I think this is gonna be like 2010 when you look at the things that he's trying to accomplish. And 2010 was a huge bonanza, and I think the term was that uh, President Obama called it a shellacking. So you think Jim Jordan might be a good candidate to run for that seat? I, first off, I think Jim's been very successful. He's been very focused. Um, I like the fact that Jim cares about the budget like I do, um, wants to make sure your money doesn't get wasted. I think we're going to have – I can just tell you, just from all the calls I got yesterday, there's going to be a lot of people that want to be uh, the Republican senator from Ohio. We're going to have – you know, I think we're going to have a a, 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 a a good primary, and we're going to find somebody that is pro-growth, pro-business, pro pro-family uh, that's going to win, and that's going to make sure we win Ohio in 22, and it'll help make sure – uh, we get a majority back in uh, in 22. So uh, I'm sorry that Rob is leaving. I think he's been successful, but I know we're going to find somebody great to take his place. Have you decided how you're going to vote on impeachment? <laughs> you know, this is this, Brian. This is this is there has to be some confusion. So this is the U.S. Capitol. So this is where we're supposed to be. You know, like do things like help people. Uh, there's another big white building at the other end of town that specializes in theaters and shows. And that's called the Kennedy Center. So this impeachment is vindictive. It's backward looking. It's unserious. And it's constitutionally sketchy. It does nothing to move America forward. Uh, so I'm going to focus on how do we, you know, protect jobs, build an economy, secure the border, you know, do do things and get healthcare costs down. That's what I'm going to do. And I believe that's that's what people sent me up here to do. And so I don't get this. This is just they're they're just, you know, vindictive at the prior president. Here's what Senator Schumer said yesterday, because this is going to be in your lap February 8th, I think. It is so obviously wrong to suggest that impeaching a president is unconstitutional, that impeaching a former president is unconstitutional. So why are some suggesting it? Well, there seems to be a desire on the political right to avoid passing judgment one way or the other on former President Trump and his role in fomenting the despicable attack on the Capitol January 6. Let me be very clear. This is not going to fly. The trial is going to happen. It is certainly and clearly constitutional. 
So he's going to go ahead with it. And is it going to be one of those things where you split the day or is it going to be impeachment all the time? Well, first off, it, I think it's impeachment all the time. But on top of that, if, if this was constitutional, why is it Justice Roberts going to be presiding? I mean, go read the Constitution. Um, so I think I think it's constitutionally sketchy. Uh, I think it's it's a waste of time. I think it doesn't do anything to move the country forward. I think Joe Biden's made a big mistake by not trying to unify the country. I mean, he gives a nice talk. I went to the inauguration. He gives a nice talk about unity, but name name one thing he's done Nothing. so far that's unified the country. I mean, th- I mean, look, ICE is releasing people now. I mean, how is that? You know, is that? Did I? I don't remember hearing that in the campaign. By the way, uh, that we're going to have, we're you know, we're not going to enforce our immigration laws. I mean, that's not what Americans want. Um, so the, they're releasing so everybody at the border, and they can't deport for a hundred days. Yeah, but but you know, look, Chuck Schumer is going to waste her time with this impeachment. Um, it's going to mean that you know maybe maybe it's maybe it's good. Maybe Joe Biden doesn't really believe anything should get done because I can tell you what, while we're doing impeachment, we're not going to be getting anything else done for the American public, which is too bad. There's a lot of good things we need to do. Uh, we need to continue to work on making sure people get this vaccine. We got to get this economy open. Um, but I mean, look at the bill. Look at the bill that that Biden has proposed to spend at 1.9 trillion this is 1.9 trillion dollars we have over 27 trillion dollars of debt and they want to go bail out new york bail out new york which won't open up their economy won't open up his economy doesn't have to know how to get the vaccine out never lived within its means and now cuomo's up there saying oh gosh if you don't give me a bailout i'm going to raise taxes on the wealthy you're doing it anyway andrew cuomo you do it every year i got lifted with andrew cuomo back in 2010 what do you do Raise taxes. I'm going to raise taxes. I, I, you know, I, I try to get home on the weekend. There are so many New Yorkers that have left that are coming down to Florida now. They're filling up. They're they're buying property like crazy down there. No, I understand that. Uh, so the other thing that Mitch McConnell signed on to the power sharing agreement because he believes in Senator Cinema uh, and Senator Manchin will not sign on to getting rid of the filibuster. Is that okay to count on them to do the right thing? You know, I've I've been I've been up here two years. You know, what I've watched is you know the, the Democrat centers. You know, some of them act like they're they're you know they're moderates, but ultimately, do they do it? No. I mean, look, they're they are. Chuck Schumer is run by uh, AOC. I mean, everything up here is what's AOC, AOC want because Chuck Schumer's worried about a primary. So, so you know, everybody in everybody on the Senate side and the Democrat side actually they should just they should just wait and see what AOC says because that's actually what's happening. She if she says, well, we need to go this way, then Chuck Schumer says, I got to go that way. I don't want to have a primary. So. So and, and actually, that so you if you look at look at Democrat senators, they all just vote as a block. Whatever Chuck Schumer said, which is what AOC says, that's how it works up here. Senator uh, Rick Scott, thanks so much. He's always got his ha- uh, hands full and always uh, getting getting busy. Senator Homeland, he's uh, with the Homeland Security and Armed Services Committees. Thanks, Senator. When we come back, take your calls one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. We'll get out a little bit early for Varney and Company, but of course, I want to hear what you have to say. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We waited on this pipeline for 10 years because my, my children are grown. But uh, I have grandchildren. If you looked into their eyes and their livelihood depended on the, the food that they ate, the clothes that they wear, the automobiles that they drive, uh, you come look at them in the face and tell them that, uh, you know, I just for just one stroke of the pen killed 11,000. Yep, killed 11,000 jobs. one 408 7669 Those are real ramifications of getting rid of those 11,000 jobs. It's probably more because they change, they move, and then people make progress. Then it rolls, and then there's maintenance jobs that are going to last forever. That's what they do with union jobs. Uh, you know, there's, there's jobs they are rebuilding the city, even though there's no people in it, because this is something for a later day. It's financed by the state, by the city. Those jobs aren't coming back. They're not going to move. And for the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, to say that I think is ridiculous. But I said that at the time. Deborah, you are listening in North Carolina. Hey, Deborah. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. Uh-huh. Brian, I'm I'm sorry. Excuse me for calling your name wrong. Sorry about that. I've been waiting and I'm so glad that um that you took my call. What I wanted to say was that people that voted for Biden, he lied to you all. I would just want the nation to know that he's a liar. He ran off of racism and he ran off of um this COVID and Okay, if he's so concerned about the COVID, why is he going to let um, those people from Honduras and yeah. come in in our nation yep. and and cause this infection, to, um, this pandemic, to be much worse? And, and he said, you're not black if you don't vote for me. Okay, then, if he was so concerned about the black communities and stuff, the first thing he should have done when he got in office, he should have been signing bills to help the black communities. Joe doesn't care about America, period. All he cares about is getting richer, is greed, and is power. That's all he cares about. And and everything that he ran off of, he lied. And I just want those that voted for him know that he's a liar. And, and and he got what he wanted, and now he don't have any use for you anymore. Well, he did. It's all about his green agenda from immigration to this uh, uh, this environmental things, no more drilling. Uh, the, believe me, fracking is going to come next. They're not going to say you're banned fracking, but they're going to make it so limited, so tough with so many regulations, people are going to say it no longer pays to be in that business. So he can honestly say, I kept my word. He's also ferrying money for FEMA for emergency operations, and he's putting it into this green energy. I mean, tell me that that's important. You want $1.9 trillion more dollars for us, and you're taking some money that you have right now and putting it to other causes. That is nuts, and it's insulting. Let's go out to Matt listening in Oklahoma, Tulsa, KRMG. Hey, Matt. Hey, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. Hey, I really appreciate everything you do every day. And uh, Anyways, real quick, I don't want to beat a dead horse. Two things. Uh, we're going to school here in Oklahoma to, to talk about teachers going back to school. Is it easy? Absolutely not. I mean, it's been it's been a challenge, but our teachers and our state, our people are resilient. And we've had we've had lots of times where, you know, we have lots of kids that, that get quarantined and we have outbreaks in schools. 
but uh, we're we're going. We're trying to get our kids educated. Yeah, we got it too. We got it too. I get text messages every other day. Hey, there was a positive case here. If you and there's going to be some tracers that might keep your kid home for two weeks, but they keep going to school. You know what else they're doing? Uh, they're actually going to start playing sports. Fall sports are going to start in March uh, and in February. So they're going to even start playing basketball in February. You guys were probably playing the whole time. They did not play high school football. They're going to start March 1st. So at least we're trying to get on track here. It's tough, Brian. And I'm telling you right now, I'm on a, I'm on a local school board here outside of Tulsa. And we will have 30 kids that will have active positive cases. But these CDC guidelines with the quarantine rules, we'll have over 300 kids quarantined from those 30 kids. Oh. And so it's, it's a tough management. It's tough for teachers. It's tough for administrators to manage the distance learning and in-person. But they're doing it. The people here are resilient. And the second thing, real quick, Brian, I'm in the oil and gas business. And these Democrats, they have no idea how many pipelines they walk on top of every day that transports natural gas, that transports unrefined and refined goods all over this country every day without any environmental issues. These oil and gas companies, they care more about the environment because if they don't, if they don't, they're ruined. If they have a spill, they're ruined. They're done. They're financially done. So they care so much about the environment. These guys have no idea the amount of money and the amount of cost that goes into building a pipeline. All the companies that build equipment, all the companies that move pipe, fittings, flanges, valves, the whole thing. There's millions and millions and millions of dollars that are that are into building a pipeline. You have pump stations. You have a whole bunch of equipment. I mean, these guys have no idea. Yeah. Biden... I hear you. I understand it. And thank you so much for bringing business and school together. And to serve on those uh, those boards of education is a thankless job. It's appreciated, but it's every every decision is controversial. You don't get paid a lot of money, if anything. And you're always arguing with people on the board and people in the town that you got to go live with. So I really salute people that do that. Uh, Christy Hudson was on America's Newsroom. She's a Virginia parent with two kids in the school district. Even the Washington Post said, in Alexandra, open up. We gave you vaccinations. Now open up the school. She brought us up close and personal. Cut 24. I think parents and families in Fairfax County are feeling very frustrated uh, right now. We have been out of school here for almost a whole year. Um, A parent counted last week, and it's something like 320 days since our kids have been allowed to step foot inside of their school buildings. And it's heartbreaking. I mean, we are watching our kids suffer tremendous academic regressions, social, emotional, behavioral problems. And it's just devastating. Do you see that in your own children? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I have, I was fortunate. We're privileged to be able to put one of our children uh, private school, so she's been able to attend in person. Uh, but the two who are virtual are struggling. Yeah, and can you all relate to that? I'm, I'm sure you can. Uh, Kevin, listen on WNIS in Virginia. Hey, Kevin. Hey, good morning, Brian. I don't. I don't think they're having an impeachment trial next week. Uh, Chief Justice Roberts decided not to show up, which I think constitutionally nullifies it. The the Constitution says the Chief Justice shall preside. Now, in law school, we learned the word shall is very significant. It means must, absolute, cannot go without it. Also, if they do rule uh, that Trump can't run for office, I think by Chief Justice Roberts not showing up, 
it makes it appealable. You can't appeal an impeachment verdict, but I, I think that uh, Chief Justice Roberts is, is opening the door for Trump to appeal whatever they decide to do. I don't think, you know, Trump's going to get his legal team together. They're going to go in there. And I don't think Eddie, you're going to get any or more than two Republican votes against him. Uh, Kevin, the other thing is Senator Leahy takes over as senior member. Who thinks that Senator Leahy is actually going to be fair? The guy's to the left of the left. I mean, congratulations on being cast in a beautiful mind with Russell Crowe. But there's nobody. He's already said on the record he thinks Trump is guilty. How could you possibly get a fair trial? The House was jammed through. No one's any idea. The FBI doesn't exactly know what happened. You're going to find out that this thing was going to get done, and they did it under the guise of doing it for Donald Trump. Scott, listen to WDBO. Scott. Um, hey, Brian, thanks for taking my call. Okay. Um, I have a couple of things. One, I was watching Tucker last night, and he brought up House Resolution Number 1, which would allow the federal government to take over um, election uh, laws yeah. on, at the states. And also he brought up uh, my district uh, congressperson, Stephanie Murphy's bill about um, not hiring people who have uh, radical views for federal government jobs. And I was just curious what your thoughts are at this point with the federal government trying to take so much power about uh, the Convention of States. I'm really, uh, well, I don't know about a Convention of States, but we got to stop that HOR1 right away. The last thing we need is have mail-in voting become state, uh, the, the law of the land. The last thing we need is people to show up without ID. I can't get on a plane. I can't get a license. I, I, you know what? I don't think I could use my credit card at most places. They always check for another ID. But when it comes to voting, mail-in voting, taking people at their word, you got to be kidding. They don't allow this in France. They don't allow it in Europe. Why would we allow it here? Forget it. That's got to stop. we got to find a way to put the brakes on that. With the 10-vote advantage, I'm wondering if there's some sober Democrats in the House that could actually stop that. But I love when they say, for the people, I work for children. That's Nancy Pelosi's mantra. Nothing could be further from the truth. If you want to know what Nancy Pelosi leaves in her wake, check out San Francisco. It's called Homeless. They running, it's running away with that city and it's forcing people to run away from that city. When we come back, I'm going to do a, a simulcast on Barney and Company and FBN, and then I'll take some more of your calls. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Okay, uh, in a matter of moments, we're going to talk to Stuart Varney about what's happening here in New York and, of course, uh, uh, the Upper Northwest, and that is the constant Antifa riots that are taking place, and they were not been commented on by almost anybody in the Democratic Party. Finally, in generalities, we had... Uh, we have um, Jen Psaki commenting on it yesterday. And then the other story here in New York, they're starting to lift some of the lockdown. So let's listen to Stuart Varney. Brian Kilmeade joins us. All right, Brian, you know this. Governor Cuomo wants to open New York State back up, but not New York City. Watch this for a second. The indoor dining in New York City is a New York City-specific 
uh, condition, and uh, we're not at this point, at this point, uh, contemplating any changes. Can you explain this to me, Brian? No. Uh, it is nuts. Number one, it's hard enough because there's no people here. If you are going to be able to open up, you have to say to yourself, is people going to come in the villages in the Upper East and West Side where they're neighborhood oriented? Yeah, they're eating outside with heat lamps. To go inside is actually safer. And to go outside in these submarines are by far more dangerous. They have built sheds, essentially, or open-sided sheds where three sides are there. If you're not in New York or not in a cold-weather city, you don't quite, you've never seen anything quite like this. And now he's saying that's a different situation. Why? Because we're on foot? Because we have a chance to congregate? Do you know that in New York City, the rents are the highest? We need to get people back in. You cannot live on takeout food. We just walked the city. The only thing we're selling is plywood here. Have a chance to rip it off and, and get up to speed is something. By the way, the numbers are lower in New York City. So he doesn't, know, he doesn't know what the heck he's talking about. And he doesn't care. But I'm heartened by the fact that he often contradicts himself the next day. And oftentimes, and this is underplayed, the mayor and governor hate each other so much, we're in the middle. So they fight it out because one wants to take credit or discredit or show their power over the other. So they just sit back and they fight it out, and we're the carnage. This can't happen. Also, we found out our governor not only is disliked by his people, but he's disliked by his Democratic mayor and Chuck Schumer. They evidently are barely on speaking terms. So the guy that's trying to deliver money for New York in a way in which it's got every red state upset is not on speaking terms with the governor. All the same party. Please tell me why this guy gets an Emmy and gets a best-selling book contract. He's probably writing a sequel on how 41,000 people die in your state higher than anybody else, and he gets a book deal, which is a pretty much a how-to. you got to shake your head at this. All right, I'm going to move on because I can't answer your questions. I don't know what the devil is going on in New York, but it is clearly a mess. Now look at this. President Biden's press secretary. She finally spoke out against the West Coast riots. Watch this. President Biden condemns violence and any violence in the strongest possible terms. Peaceful protests are a cornerstone of our democracy. Uh, But smashing windows is not protesting and neither is looting. And actions like these are totally unacceptable. It wasn't very strong condemnation. The riots have been going on for a couple of weeks. Why did it take so long? Um, President Biden didn't issue this condemnation. It was his press secretary. Right. And she never goes. She doesn't say Antifa. Antifa is a problem. The organization is prevalent around the globe and they're located in X, Y and Z cities. And it's got to come to a close because you know what, Jen? There's really no downside. They hate you, too. They hate Joe Biden. They hate Donald Trump. They hate the country. They want the end of laws. They want the end of prison. They want the end of law enforcement, none of which will happen. But even the liberal mayor of Portland, uh, Ted Wheeler, had to spray, excuse me, had to use pepper spray on a would-be assailant constituent, might have voted for him because he thought he was going to be attacked. The guy can't eat dinner. And he was the voice of appeasement. Trump is the problem. He, Him and Chad Wolf put federal troops to protect federal buildings. They're the problem. 
Trump's gone, Chad Wolf is gone, and you've got a bigger problem. Please tell me, Democrats and Republicans, you can learn from this, because this is so dumb it could define description. And the rest of the world is seeing this, and some, uh, some morons around the country are going to try to emulate this. It's in Tacoma, it's in Seattle, it's in Portland, it's in Denver. It's got to stop. We're on the same page. Joe Biden, you want to unify the country? We'll get behind you. Just empower your police officers to do what's necessary. And when you arrest someone, hold on to them. You keep letting them go. I find the outrage level rising rapidly, Brian, and it's not going to go away. Mr. Kilmeade, thanks for joining us. We'll see you again real soon. All right. Say hello to everybody. All right, one 866 408 Yeah, we got about two minutes. Hey, let's go to Julie listening on FM News Talk 97.1. Hey, Julie. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. What's on your mind? A uh, couple comments. First, I agree impeachment is unconstitutional, but if Dems want to occupy two weeks of time and not pass legislation that's going to hurt the country, then I say go for it, and it will show people how ridiculous it is. That's number one. And then I also think Kinzinger... And uh, Nikki Haley are not that different in their opinions of what they want to see going forward. You know, uh, we all, I think, want the same things for the country. We want to get the government out of off people's backs, off the backs of industry. And I think they both want that. I think we all want fewer tweets, probably. And then the last thing, I love the gentleman who was on Fox and Friends this morning, the Hispanic gentleman. We need to really reach out to folks like that and bring them in because Hispanics share our values. They want opportunity they want to make their own way they don't want to hand out either do these is the african-american community they need to know that the republican party is making a play for their vote not to pander but to do the things necessary to allow them to be successful in great numbers and they were beginning and the numbers that reveal they were beginning to feel uh the loosening and the and the the growth of opportunity until the pandemic hit and i just think the republicans still aren't working on the urban vote you saw what happened in georgia they went ahead and tried to maximize the people that supported them rather than go into urban communities and say, don't forget about us. And that's not going to work in the South. You're going to gradually lose it. Thanks so much for listening. Go to BrianKillMe.com. Get any of my history books to make you realize why America is great. Watch the Fox Nation series, What Made America Great, on the same app you're on right now watching us. And go to BrianKillMeShow at anytime.com and listen to the podcast. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Brian Kilmeade Thanks so much for listening. Coming to you from New York. Heard around the country. Heard around the world. Brett Baer at the bottom of the hour brings us inside Washington. And Bill Browder standing by. Remember him from the McGinsky Act? That was his lawyer uh, who was killed in the same prison that uh, Nelvelny, Nelvelny is being held now. He's the dissident that was poisoned. That a big critic of Vladimir Putin who he always tries to kill his critics to the same uh, game plan all the time. But he has gone back uh, in and he's got immediately arrested. Uh, and there was 4,000 others arrested in protest for his arrest. So some chaos brewing in uh, Vladimir Putin's Russia. And Bill Browder is probably the best person to talk to about that. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a matter of moments and then take your calls. Uh, keep in mind, too, you can always write me at briankillme.com and I get to most of your emails. So let's get to the big three.
Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. They're going to be uh, new faces that are going to be the spokespeople for our party and their own vision. Uh, President Trump, of course, will continue to have influence. Uh, but I think our party is going to return to some of our more fundamental principles, which is standing with our allies and pushing it back against people like Kim Jong-un and, and Vladimir Putin. Well, we'll see where the Republican Party is going to go as Donald Trump uh, makes it clear that he's going to do everything he can to get the House back in 2022 and try to get the Senate back as well. And he does not want to start a third party. So he is very much in the picture. Number two. All regions effective immediately are no longer in the stay-at-home order and will move back into the blueprint, the blueprint we refer to as a blueprint for a safer economy. Really? Turns out Democratic President's son Gavin Newsom realizes he might want to open up his state all of a sudden starting Friday. The COVID confusion on vaccines, school openings, and the rescue package will bring you the latest on the battle to stop this pandemic. Number one. I don't buy for one second the uh, that the vitality of the American manufacturing is a thing of the past. That means we're going to use taxpayers' money to rebuild America. We'll buy American products and support American jobs. Yeah, right. Buy American, maybe. Hurt America, so far, yes. So far, Biden's executive orders, Bonanza, has sent a clear message. Americans don't matter. The party's agenda of green energy does. Oil, gas, gas pipelines, people taking a backseat to climate and correctness. We're banning our allies from coming here without a coronavirus test. But we're allowing refugees to come pouring into our border as we tell ICE to stand back and let go. Unbelievable. Now this. All people have the right to express their point of view within the framework of the law. Everything that goes beyond the framework of the law is not only counterproductive, but also dangerous. All these events about which I just spoke, no one should use them trying to reach their ambitious goals and objectives, especially in the field of politics. This is not how politics is done, at least not a responsible politics. That's a translator of Vladimir Putin who was speaking at the time. I brought it from CNN. He was interviewed this morning on that was released over the weekend. Bill, uh, uh, Bill Browder joins us now. He's CEO of Hermitage Capital, self-made multimillionaire, head of Global Meninsky Justice Campaign, and author of Red Notice. Knows Vladimir Putin, knows he's capable of, as they have jailed his latest big critic, Alexei Navalny. And Alexei Navalny was poisoned, as you may remember, found a way to survive, and immediately went back to Russia where he was arrested and I believe being held at the same place, Bill, that your lawyer was held. Uh, that was McGinsky all those years ago, right? Yeah, they, they, um, uh, the Russians killed my lawyer, Sergei Magnitsky, <clears throat> at a place called Mitroshka Tishina Prison. And that is the same prison where Alexei Navalny is currently incarcerated as we speak. And he was beaten. They tried to arrest you. They didn't get you. They got to your lawyer, right? Uh, they, they've come after me. They, um, they've been chasing me all over the world with uh, eight Interpol arrest warrants, extradition requests, all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, they ended up uh, arresting, torturing and killing my lawyer, Sergei Magnitsky, and they've gone after everybody else connected to me. When, when, when Vladimir Putin decides that he doesn't like you because you say bad stuff about him, he, there, there's like n- nothing he won't do um, to try to eliminate you. And when now we're seeing it now with his latest rival. But this is a little different. There's protests erupting around Russia because uh, uh, demanding Navalny be released. What do you think the next step is? Do you think Putin's actually feeling the pressure? He's arrested between two and four thousand people. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it, this is really serious business for Putin. So j- just, just to give you a little background, Alexei Navalny is in his early 40s. He's an, an incredibly popular um, opposition politician. He's popular because he has investigated the corruption and the stealing that Vladimir Putin and all the people around him have done from the Russian people. And the Russia, Russia is not a poor country, but everybody lives poor because you've got a thousand people who have stolen everything for themselves. They've got like multiple jets and yachts and villas, and the average Russian can barely uh, afford food to put on the table. And Alexei Navalny has put all this out there, and he said, enough is enough. We, we can't have these, these thieves anymore stealing from our country. And Vladimir Putin got so scared of Alexei Navalny that he poisoned him with a chemical weapon. Novichok. It's a, it's a banned chemical weapon. He poisoned him five months ago. And Alexei Navalny should have died. He poisoned him right before Alexei went on an, on an airplane from, from Siberia to Moscow. And, and he would have died if, however, the plane landed abruptly, like half an hour in, and then the medics at the um, airport injected him with, a, with a, an antidote, and he survived. And they then airlifted him to Germany. He was in a coma. For three weeks, he, he finally comes out of a coma, and um, five months later, he's back to back to health. And um, and Vladimir Putin has said to him at this point that you missed your appointment with the um, with the uh, parole officer. He was on parole for another trumped up charge, and therefore, if you come back here, you'll be arrested, hoping that Navalny wasn't going to go back to Russia. But Navalny is a guy who's neither afraid of of his own, uh, not neither afraid for his own safety or for his own freedom. And he flew back to Russia about t- uh, 10 days ago, arrived. And the moment he hit the ground, they arrested him and they put him in prison. And, and at that moment in time, he, he called out for his followers. He said, it's time to go to the streets. There's nothing to be afraid of than fear itself. And that's what happened last weekend. More, more than 200,000 people went out into the streets on, in 60 different cities in Russia in the, in the blistering cold um, to protest Putin and to call for Navalny's release. Amazing. And they this video of him saying goodbye to his wife or girlfriend, and that was dramatic, and he knows it could be it, it could be over. But he also released some video, and his recent video of, they say, this this mansion beyond belief that Vladimir Putin owns. It's called the Putin Palace. And then he had to quickly get on television and say, it's not my place. Why does that bother yeah. Vladimir Putin, the opulence? Well, first of all, Putin almost Putin has been accused of lots of stuff over the last 20 years. And he's never responded. The fact that he had responded to this was because 88 million people have viewed this video already. 88 million people. In a country of 144 million, 88 million people have viewed this video. And the video is unbelievable. It's a two-hour video. And it basically it shows a palace is an understatement. This is like, it's like, the, it's like something out of, you know, it's like the Palais de Versailles in, in France. I mean, it's like something that a czar or, or a, you know, a, it's, it's just something so big. It, it's it's something like 60 times the land of this palace is 60 times greater than the city state of Monaco. It's got ice ice skating rinks underground. It's got garages for 300 cars. It's got uh, uh, unbelievable. Th- you, you can't even imagine how big this thing is. It cost one and a half billion dollars to build. And they, 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 in, in this movie, they have this um, Italian um, toilet brush, cl- toilet cleaners. The brushes clean the toilets. It cost eight hundred dollars each. <laughs> And, uh, you know, that, that's the average wage of a, of a Russian. And so people just saw this thing and like the, half the country has seen more than half the country has seen this. And they're saying, why should this guy 
be having all this stuff and we're we're eating dirt. And and that's another reason why they're out on the streets. He's, you already said that he's he's one of the richest men in the world because of what he's stolen. His wife has been arrested. Navalny's wife was arrested, too. So what are they going through behind bars? Are they protected by their popularity? Well, you know, if Putin... So th- this guy was, Navalny was protected for a long time because of his popularity. They, they didn't even put him in jail um, because they were so scared of him and scared of this uprising. But the reason why Putin is escalating is because Putin is seeing the writing on the wall. There's a country right next to Russia called Belarus. And in Belarus, they also have a dictator who's been there a few years longer than Putin. And one day the Belarusian people snapped about half a year ago and said, enough is enough. This guy is just, a, a, he's a bad guy. And they've been out demonstrating in the same order of magnitude as they are in Russia every day. And and um, Putin saw this and said, this could be my future. And this guy, Navalny, could be leading that 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 insurrection. And we need to escalate. And that's when they tried to kill him. And so I don't think anything is off the table. Remember, there, there was another uh, um, opposition politician who was an enemy of Vladimir Putin's. His name was Boris Nemtsov. And back in 2015, they shot him. He got shot in the back and killed remember. right in front of the Kremlin, right in front of the Kremlin. So Putin is 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 not he's a he's a serial killer and he and he's not it's not beyond him to 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 do anything to these to to do anything to Alexei or his followers right in front of our face. Hey, and Bill. he's hoping. Yeah, go ahead. He's hoping he's hoping that that um, he can do this stuff. And we're just going to say, you know what, we have to do business with him. We're just going to forgive him. That That's what he's hoping for. So, Bill, you know. I'm not. I'm talking to Bill Browder, CEO of Hermitage Capital, author of uh, Red Notice, who knows what's going on in Russia and knows the corruption, which is Vladimir Putin, a cold-blooded killer. We see these polls that say that he is so popular. What's the reality? Is he really popular in Russia, Vladimir Putin? No, he's not. So when you see a poll by a, by a, a government pollster in Russia, um, and 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 just remember, if you're against Putin in Russia. One of three things happens to you. You lose your job, um, you get arrested, or you lose your life. So if you get called by some person, stranger you don't know and say, do you support Vladimir Putin or do you not? What's your answer going to be? Of course, I of love course. the guy. <laughs> and and I, I, you know, they say he's got 80% approval rate. I'm just amazed that there's 20% of the people that actually say they don't approve him because wh- wh- what kind of craziness is that? And and so, I mean, we, you know, we, we've seen it all over the world. Polls don't don't work, but particularly they don't work in Russia. So no, he's not popular. And you can see that on the streets with all these people saying, this guy's a joke. Vladimir Putin is a sclerotic old man stealing from us, and we don't want him anymore. And we want somebody who's going to stop that. And that's what Alexei Navalny represents for the Russian people. And I hear there's rumors that he's not healthy, and he's trying to prove that he is healthy. What do you think the truth is? About you know, there's been, rumor, there, there, there's been rumors about Putin forever. I'll tell you one thing that's really funny, though, is that so here you've got Alexei Navalny, who's who's neither afraid for his life or afraid of his for his freedom, who comes back to Russia. And he's truly, you know, he's he's just he's just got a, like he's a man of steel and he comes back. And, and that is what everybody sees. They see this guy, you know, that, that that I mean, that makes such an impression, the bravery of that. And so Putin, who is like really intimidated by that, he had to go out and do another photo shoot of him topless, you know, shirtless, going into some uh, cold swimming pool um, as a way of like trying to show his virility. I mean, he's really a pathetic old man. And uh, but he's brought he's modernized the military arsenal of the Russians. And it looks like we're going to continue with this missile agreement, which gives him additional uh, a little bit additional prestige. 
Where would you rank him? I know also he set up an alliance with China, and they don't they don't see eye to eye on many issues, but they they see eye to eye against us. How would you relate U.S. Russian relations? What would you recommend Joe Biden do with U.S. Russian relations? I recommend Joe Biden do what I recommended to every past president, which is you, you, that Vladimir Putin. He's he's not a communist. He's a criminal. He's like a, a Pablo Escobar with all the powers of of the state and nuclear weapons. And just as we did with the Soviet Union, he needs to be contained. You know, we, we don't want a nuclear war with Russia, um, but we don't need to do anything much more than that. We just need to contain him. We need to to create boundaries out uh, so that he can't cross. And and just just let me put this in perspective. Vladimir Putin is running a country with an economy the size of the state of New York. He's not an economic superpower. He's not China. And when we talk about his military, the military budget is 90% less than the U.S. military budget in Russia. And and of that 10%, um, 80% of that 10% is being stolen through corruption in the military. So they, you know, they might have a couple pieces of impressive hardware, but for the most part, it's just, a, it's, you know, that they wouldn't last, you know, 10 minutes in any kind of uh, conventional military conflict. And what so the right. stuff that the stuff that Putin does with us is like hacking our computers and and sending trolls and, and, and propagandists and all this kind of stuff and 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 laundering money and 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 spending money in, in the West. And, and that's stuff that we can easily fix. We, we can stop him. We can we can freeze his money. We can freeze the money of those people around him. And there's a piece of legislation that I was responsible for named after my lawyer, Sergei Magnitsky. It's called the Magnitsky Act which allows the U.S. to freeze assets and ban visas for Russian human rights violators. And this should be applied. And, and I, I would recommend strongly to the Biden administration, as I did to the Trump and as I did to the Obama, um, to go after the, the people, the rich guys, the billionaire cronies who are basically bankrolling him and looking after his money and freezing their assets and banning their visas. And last question, we have to come out and say Navalny's health matters to U.S. relations. we got to make that clear or this guy's going to be dead. So, so, so my, my thought is we make a list of the 40 guys, the 40 rich guys who look after Putin. We take 10 of them and we sanction them immediately, freeze their assets and ban their visas. And then we make an announcement saying, here's the other 30. And if anything happens to Navalny, we're going after the other 30. You think about it, Vladimir. Love it. Bill, we're going to continue to talk to you uh, and, and bring notice. You're doing some great work. Uh, selfless work in, in honor of Sergei Maninsky, who was fearless in representing you. Uh, thanks so much, Bill. Thank you. All right. Uh, if you want to know what's going on in Russia, you don't need anything else. He just told you. one 408 And it matters. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. What the American people really want to have happen. They want to start focusing on putting people back to work getting kids back in school, and making sure anyone who wants a vaccine gets it. But now we've got President Biden, who's gone back on every promise he made, just even a week ago about unity. There's no unity coming out of that. He's killing union jobs. He's empowering our adversaries. And he is. I, I, I wish it was something different. If he was just, if he was, 
I don't care if he's 78 and looking old like he is. I don't care how his press conferences go. They're stilted, halted, and he seems to lose himself. I don't care about all that. The executive orders, I expect new presidents from now on in try to get fr- get frustrated and do them. But he is setting a record tenfold in these executive orders. Where he doesn't even explain them. The first time he had a press conference was yesterday. He explained some of them, only if he got questions about them. And none of this has to do with the pandemic. Nothing it has to do with anything but his agenda. We're not addressing anything but his agenda, his green agenda and his uh his big wet kiss to what he thinks of the Hispanic vote. It's crazy. So I just find that um, uh, intolerable, and I think we got to bring it up. He's got to push back. I'll tell you what. If Republicans were trying to get their footing between the impeachment and these executive orders, they are so tone deaf on both sides, they're going to get it. And I think one of the best things to happen is that Donald Trump lost his Twitter feed because it's not a distraction. Republicans are seeing that what he did and what he's done was so much better than what they're dealing with now. That's why I laugh when Mitt Romney or Ben Sass come out and are upset about the president and his tone and his tweet storms. Okay, but do you realize how much more power you had, how much closer the agenda was to what you believe and why you got put into office compared to what you're dealing with now? Now I think people are beginning to say it and see it. When we come back, Brett Baer. See if he thinks I'm right. I hope he does. It's my show. He better. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Dominich Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Rather than relying on the Democratic leader, I took the discussion directly to his members. Basic arithmetic now ensures that there are not enough votes to break the rule. Which means you cannot jam anybody's agenda, Republican or Democrat, down everyone's throat. So everything that Joe Biden wants to do, he's going to have to go get 60 votes, which means you got to deal or not get it done or try to do reconciliation uh, or not do it at all. But you have, um, you know, you have the advantage in the Senate, barely, and you have the advantage in the House, barely. Joining us now with the reality of all this is Brett Baer, chief political anchor for Fox News and anchor of Special Report. Hey, Brett, I guess it was Kirsten Sinema of Arizona and Joe Manchin that made Senator Mitch McConnell feel as though they wouldn't get the 50 plus 51 votes, excuse me, the 50 votes and the 51st being the vice president to break the filibuster, right? Yeah, that was it. And it becomes a matter of math. Brian, and um, instead of, you know, demanding that they say it in writing uh, before they get the the power sharing agreement, um, he talked to those members. They he got the assurances that they are not going to to break up the filibuster and then move forward. So remember, all these committee chairs turned turn over and Senator Manchin is the chair of the Energy Committee. So they wanted to get started and um and Manchin told us that's where he is. Cinema added her name, and that that's the math. 
you know, there's always a chance they're going to get so frustrated and say, well, we had no choice. You guys wouldn't play ball and, and use that rationalization. But now, if you wouldn't mind for the pedestrian like me, tell me what reconciliation has to do with it now. We know that the president's tax plan passed through reconciliation. He never got 60 votes. So how could that come into play? Well, if um, the tax proposals, uh, Chuck Schumer will move uh, and may use reconciliation, which means only 51 votes needed. Uh, And, you know, there is a possibility of negotiations that have to happen with moderates like the Mitt Romneys, like the uh, Susan Collins, like the Lisa Murkowski's Mansion Cinema, Mark Kelly. Uh, You get a number of those and you're not going to be able to get through exactly what you want unless they're on board uh, because they have the numbers that turn, you know, whether where the vote is. Uh, but I expect that he's going to probably push forward with uh, using 51, just like we saw with the Trump tax cuts. So he could do anything he wants with 51, just use the term reconciliation instead of I blew up the filibuster. Yeah, but it has to deal with the uh, taxes. It has to deal with okay. budget items. It can't deal with uh, packing the Supreme Court or um, statehood uh, or uh, other issues that uh, would be legislative. So I remember when Trump passed his tax plan, Anwar was in there. They could drill in Anwar. And I thought to myself, I don't know what that has to do with it, but it's part of it. So being that that passed and that's a law, how could you go in and to say you he stopped drilling in Anwar? Yeah, so they're going to try to reverse all of that. They're going to start uh, denying oil permits and leasing. And, you know, for all of the talk about how this was a issue in Pennsylvania, and you remember the former president now, Trump brings it up at that debate, um, and the Biden people push back. Well, what's happening now is is real. I mean, he's going down a road of of holding back on permits and leases, and that'll have an effect in different places. It's amazing uh, that all this is taking place. It's irregardless of the 6.7 percent unemployment, regardless of trying to stay energy independent, regardless of not trying to create a problem for yourself by having a few caravans go barreling towards your border and telling who, by the way, don't travel with rapid tests and wear masks. So we're telling England stay out of here. We're saying France don't try it. Uh, all our allies, we're not we're not allowing travel unless they get a positive test first. But we're allowing chaos to reign at the border. You got to just think practically. Why would Joe Biden want to bring this on now? Well, I mean, if you have any juice, you have it soon after an election. And so the 100 days, they're looking at the biggest things they can possibly get with as slim a majority as they have in both the Senate and the House. And um, so a lot of this is is by executive order, by the pen and the cell phone, and uh, it's happening. Now, how does that – what does that look like down the road? It becomes an issue for 2022 if it starts to unravel or starts to affect the economy in either those border states or when we're talking oil and gas leases and permits in some place like Pennsylvania. So people listen to us around the country uh, see they probably don't realize it, but cases are down at 31 percent. Deaths are down 4 percent, pretty much a lagging indicator of the deaths, which hospitalizations are down as well. So even despite the Christmas surge, the cases are going down currently right now. And between that and a Democratic president, I'll let Gavin Newsom to say this, cut 15. 
We're seeing a flattening of the curve. Everything that should be up is up. Everything that should be down is down. Case rates, positivity rates, hospitalizations, ICUs, testing starting to go back up, as well as vaccination rates in this state. But we are not out of the woods. So he's beginning to loosen up on the stay at home immediately, as well as outdoor dining. So do you think that has anything to do with the 1.5 million who signed a recall petition? <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, politics factors into all of this. Um, and, you know, I think that the, the, some of these um, places are coming to the realization that it's untenable and they're not seeing the success. You know, some of the strictest policies in these states had some of the highest rates at the time when they were the most strict. Uh, so, you know, you have the Chicago mayor, you have other Democratic officials stepping out and saying we can't remain closed like this for economic reasons. Yeah. And the other thing is Governor Cuomo, Eric, if we could find that one. He was talking about he's loosening up on some restrictions and but he's not allowing indoor dining, which is just uh, uh, anything but outdoor dining in 10 degree weather. I don't know what you're dealing with in Washington, but here's what he had to say. Okay, I think we're taking a couple of seconds. But uh, the logic of this and the structures they built, let's listen. Cut 20. We're focusing now on the microcluster zones, Andrew, which are uh, yellow zones, orange zones. Uh, That's what we're focusing on, and that's what I was talking about. The indoor dining in New York City is a New York City-specific condition, and uh, we're not at this point at this point, uh, contemplating any changes. 73% of all spread comes from people at their homes. 1% comes from indoor dining. And he's still holding on to this. And I think so much of this, the story that's going to be told is the rivalry between the Democratic mayor and governor. And now we understand he's barely speaking to Senator Schumer. I mean, why? Is, it's amazing. A compliant press has allowed all this to go. And we're like the children watching our parents argue in front of us. And everyone's forgetting to give us food and a ride to school. <laughs> I, I, I find the New York thing fascinating and just the politics of these Democratic leaders battling with each other um, and, and largely overlooked. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, you talk about restaurants uh, trying to survive uh, and there's not a COVID relief bill that's in the works. I mean, Chuck Schumer says he's moving it, but I don't think it's moving fast. Uh, So the relief for those restaurants is really get people in there. And it's not happening. I know. It's really going to throw some businesses out of whack, if not leave them, you know, closed. Yeah, it's done. It's done. I'm telling you right now, Brad, you wouldn't even recognize it in Manhattan because around where we are, there's no restaurants open and there's no demand. The ones that are open, there's nobody, there's no people. Because uh, the banks, the financial center, the sector, the insurance business, uh, the the entertainment business, even in our building, as you know, it's uh, it's about a tenth full. Uh, but there is something exciting just around the bend, and it's coming up on February 13th. It's an all-star panel about event benefiting Children's National Hospital. And there's a change to the fundraiser, all uh, to a great cause. First off, yeah. uh, the thing that matters most, House Paul, I heard he went 10 hours of open-heart surgery, right? Is he okay? Yeah. Yeah, he's doing well, man. He's uh, seven weeks out, and he's uh, walking every day. He's, he's really getting uh, a lot of strength. He's chipping and putting, and uh, he's ready for a full swing pretty soon. So he's really uh, recovered and made 
you know, bounce back, which is great. Um, the event, All Star Panel event, uh, you go to allstarpanelevent.com. We were, go- were selling tickets to this thing, and we sold, you know, quite a few. But in the end, it's about the auction and being able to do it nationwide. And we thought, why restrict it? So we reached out to all the people who bought tickets. We offered them the chance to re- get the refund for their tickets. Most, almost all of them uh, gave a donation with the ticket, uh, and we have raised a lot of money from sponsors, but we're going to make it free. So allstarpanelevent.com, it's February 13th, uh, Saturday evening, and it'll be a panel event. Charles Payne, Shannon Bream, Emily Campagno, me, and you, of course, um, taking questions from around the country. And uh, we have some special guests, some performances, but most of all, an auction with amazing things. I just got a donation from David Wells, um, you know, Yankees pitcher, uh, perfect game. All three Yankees pitchers who threw a perfect game signed this ball. It's the only one. And uh, he, he donated it to the charity. So it's really cool. Wow, that's fantastic. So people can go and look at some of the items now? Yeah, yeah, we're starting to post them. There's many more coming, and um, we think we're going to raise a lot of money, which is great. And we're going to open it up for the nation instead of tickets, and uh, we've reached out to all the ticket holders. So we're good to go. So a lot of times they cancel fundraisers. I know um, dozens across the country uh, that I know personally just had to cancel this year. Uh, You will not be stopped. So it's it's, uh, February 13th. It's coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. So we can go. You can go online and register now. Correct, all for free, and you That's can right. see those items. You can go to allstarpanelevent.com. You got it. Thanks for doing it. And we're gonna listen. It's it's a labor of love. We just went through this, but Children's National does things for kids around the world, uh, and is really doing research that's changing children's health. So it's a big deal for us. Absolutely. And have you selected your? Uh, you're all weather because I'm watching the snow come down. I don't know if you're getting in Washington. We're getting hit by snow right now in New York. Have you got? Have you selected your panel yet? To that could really perform in this type of uh, wind of <laughs> weather? Yes, virtually. Uh, Harold Ford Jr., Molly Hemingway, and uh, Britt Humes joining us. I think. All right, uh, interesting time. And Brett, I just got to get your perspective. Two weeks ago, when we were talking about impeachment, there was talk about the fracture of the Republican Party and that Trump really has very little support. And uh, look at Adam Kinzinger and look at uh, Liz Cheney and look at uh, Murkowski might switch parties. In the two weeks that has gone by, what's changed? Because it seems like Trump's somewhat fortified and people are uh, and you even had Joe Biden, President Joe Biden say yesterday he doesn't have the votes to get impeached. It would be different if he was, uh, you know, six months out. What's changed in Washington? Well, I think that Republicans uh, are focusing more on the process and saying that the process was not fair on the House side, that they didn't do committee hearings or the traditional grand jury role. And then secondly, there's questions about the constitutionality of impeaching a president that's already left office, Jonathan Turley, among others, raising questions about that. And I think that that has solidified some of the pushback. At least that's what I'm hearing. That said, you know, there's still what happened, and they're going to move forward no matter what. president said, I'm not going to form a third party, and I'm going to focus on getting the House back for Republicans. Uh, maybe that's part of this. Uh, Brett, thanks so much. We look forward to seeing you tonight at 6. All right. See you, Brett. All right. All-Star Panel Event. Uh, go to allstarpanelevent.com. Uh, this is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Back with more to know in just a moment. 
Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call 833-600-GOLD to secure your retirement. Honestly, it's gotten harder. The Treasury Department is taking steps to resume efforts to put Harriet Tubman on the front of the new $20 notes. Uh, it's important uh, that our notes, our, our, our money, uh, reflect the history and diversity of our country. And Harriet Tubman's image gracing the new $20 note would certainly reflect that. So we're exploring ways to speed up that effort. Harry Tubman, an indispensable American, but why sacrifice Andrew Jackson? At least split it. You cannot knock off Andrew Jackson, this war hero that won the War of 1812, two-time president. He started the whole Jacksonian era. Just because he did some controversial things, do not kick off Andrew Jackson. So, uh, you guys, you guys already know I'm partisan that race because I have Andrew Jackson, the Miracle of New Orleans, right? Well, not only that, but this also reminds me of the debate that you had a couple of years ago with Senator Lankery. If you remember, he's been pushing for this too for years, and you guys are on opposite ends on this one. Obviously. Right, uh, and by, in fact, uh, we'll, we'll reach out to the Hermitage to see how they feel about it next. Chicago reportedly battling carjacking epidemic. So, how do you stop it? Well, I have an idea. Well, actually, they have an idea. Since this epidemic has hit nearly 200 reported carjackings in a single month, the city are now putting together a plan to curb juvenile vehicle crime by offering free snacks and educational movies at select police departments, uh, and they'll run it. So a lot of times carjackers like to hang out with police departments in police precincts. So they'll go in there and say, while you're here, if you promise not to take my Volvo, uh, we'll give you some Ritz crackers. Crackers, maybe some uh, Three Musketeers or Milky right. Ways. All of them. Or maybe they can, if they do it in New York, maybe they'll get med tickets. Right. And a lot of people, it's either the car or a snack for the, for the most part. Or you show a video of how bad carjacking is. Is there stupider things? Uh, congratulations, Chicago. Uh, we already talked about uh, Harriet Tubman. I would like to bring up this next. Disney Parks will update the Jungle Cruise story to get new storylines that is more politically correct, I imagine. Evidently, the changes will reflect our commitment to creating unparalleled experiences that reflect not only the best in storytelling, but to be politically accurate. I guess Robert Iger is concerned about his Imagineers. They're responsible now to ensure experiences are, are, are um, positive. They're redesigning the attraction. Instead, the cruise will pass a sunken old boat taken over by chimps other the, uh, and other new scenes. A memorable bit where an angry rhino chases a group of men up a tree will remain. So these are all good news. So if you're looking, if you take this ride just to see an angry rhino, uh, good news. You could still go. Next, Joe Biden, dog champ and major, move into the White House. Why is this such a big deal? I mean, people, it's a, I guess it's one of those stories that it's not political. It's people love dogs. You're a dog lover. All right. So next, Eva Menendez, who was great in the other guys. Remember that? They're not all first round draft picks. I do. <laughs> she said the, uh, the actress and star of Training Day recently embarked on a social media hiatus because her uh, kids were telling her you're on the phone too much. You get that at home. When you're a family, because uh, you're so, you know, uh, well, you, you're I'm telling taking them, notes. I, I don't get that bad, because, but I'm telling them to get off of it. And we watch Social Dilemma together as a family. And both my girls, uh, my son doesn't really do it too much. Both the girls said, I'm going to start being aware. 
because that phone and social media is designed to trap you in, in their notices and their alerts. And they don't like, they have pride. Just like everybody listening right now has pride. When you realize they're, they're getting in your face to get on Facebook, to get on Instagram in order to get more eyeballs, to get bigger ad dollars, but you're distracted and you avoid everything else in your life. It is an addiction that social media executives make sure their kids are not part of. So don't let your kids be part of that. I had no idea more to know would become more so preachy, but uh, I didn't. I did not know I'm capable of. Is this why people tune in? I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.